You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. It's an Alex episode. Uh, Akiva has gone AWOL. He's exhausted from from not commissioning our 32 Fans League. Um, he has decided he did too many podcasts in August, and so he's just disappeared. So it's me solo today to uh, talk to uh, a guest to discuss probably the best, or at least possibly the best non-Patriots team in the garbage AFC this year. And that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we've had, I think, three or four different Jaguars guests over the years. But we're going back to our roots. Our very first Jaguars guest uh, from 2015, Albin Brook. So Albin, uh, coming from his very own podcasting studio, he uh, he's the head of marketing for Buzzsprout, a podcasting company. So that makes sense. So Albin, welcome back to 32 Fans. It's been a while. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. I, uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you must be feeling a little better about your team than you did uh, in 2015 or 2016 or 2017. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to say it's 15 or 16. You, we were chatting and I was like, man, I think this team's got a bunch of talent. We're going to be good. And uh, you and Akiva were like laughing at me. You're like, there's no way, man. You got to like accept Gus Bradley's not going to work out. Um, but now, yeah, it feels good to be uh, to be a little bit better this year. All right, so let's let's jump right to the end of the last season. So uh, you're you, you have that that thrilling game against Pittsburgh where you put all the points up in the first half and you hold on, and then you take a lead, a ten point lead into the second half against the uh, the legendary Patriots, and uh, you thought a Super Bowl was coming. Uh, I also at that time thought a Super Bowl was coming for my Vikings because our game was uh, later that evening. <laughs> uh, so talk me through sort of your emotional roller coaster in the second half of that Patriots game. Um, sure. So beginning of the game, a bunch of us uh, are like promising our wives. We're like, if we go to the Super Bowl, we're going like we're driving up there. We're going. And so there's a whole group of us that have like committed, you know, six grand each to go into this game if it happens. And we take this lead and we're like, holy crap, it starts getting real. I'm also a Georgia fan. So I went and uh, so there's like two big collapses moments that are kind of similar for me this year. But uh, so the Jags, it's like we're going, we're feeling great. We're up by 10. We're getting the ball. We're about to march down the field. And out of nowhere, we're kneeling the ball to close out. I mean, victory formation at the end of the second half, or excuse me, the first half, It was uh, that was dreadful. Yeah, that they went conservative, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it, 
we we hadn't been at least the run game was doing really well. Blake looked great, and I expected Marone was like, I'm going to give a couple shots. You know, well, Corey Grant had been running really well. Maybe we can pick up some yardage. Maybe get another field goal, and uh, we just went way conservative. So uh, let's actually jump right into uh, the second half of that Jags Patriots game and the conservative play calling you're talking about, because to me that's endemic of sort of the biggest problem that this team has, um, and sort of what I think put an, puts an artificial cap on their on the on the Jaguars despite the talent, and that really is the play calling. And I don't know whether you blame offense coordinator Nathaniel Hackett or Marone, or, or who you blame. But basically, the Jaguars' problem is that they always throw in pass formations, and they rarely throw on early downs. And it makes them really predictable. It hurts Bortles. It hurts Fournette. And I have some stats to back this up. So first of all, um, and by the way, I, actually, I would argue it actually got worse once Nathaniel Hackett took over midway through the season last year because they led in the second half and lost weeks 11, 12, 13, 15, 17, almost blew the game against Pittsburgh, and then, of course, did blow the game against the Steelers. Um, if, if the Jaguars had fewer than uh, three wide receivers on the field last year, they ran the ball 100% of the time. So if you see two receivers on the field for the Jaguars 100% of the time last year, you knew it was a run. And, I mean, that's just – that's intolerable. Mm-hmm. And, and if we point to the Jaguars-Patriots game, uh, they were leading by 10 in the second half. In the second half of that game, the Jaguars ran the ball. First of all, every single first down play in the second half was a shotgun. And every single one was a run, 100% of them. And would you like to guess the average yards per carry they gained on those runs? Uh, it can't be much more than two and a half <laughs> yards if it's even it is there. It is 0.75. <laughs> not yeah. ideal. I yeah. feel like I blacked out part of this yeah. game. But, uh, and so the consequence yeah, of that, that is they had the second, uh, the second and long, and they threw the ball every single second down. Every single second down of the second half, they threw the ball. And by the way, they threw it downfield. They averaged, uh, the average air yards was 23 yards. So they're throwing it way downfield. They completed how many of those passes would you like to guess? <laughs> oh, man, don't, don't do that. The answer, the answer oh is gosh. one. They completed a single pass. Yeah. And then on third and long, every single play was a pass, obviously. And again, they completed one pass. So in the most important game of the year, their play calling was, even by their standards, like comically predictable. And especially when you're going against a, a, you know, a mm-hmm. coach like Bill Belichick, he figured it out pretty quickly. And I guess my question is, like, what evidence do we have that the play calling is going to be improved? It's, it's still Nathaniel Hackett, right? You got the same coaches involved. Yeah, you gotta you gotta remember though where we're coming from as a fan base. We're coming from uh, Gus Bradley, you know, calling everything on the field. So we are thrilled. I I don't think I, you're gonna get a negative word about Nathaniel Hackett uh, or uh, Marone out of me. Uh, but that may be due to like me having some sort of PTSD or something from our previous coaches. Uh, I mean, it is conservative, but I would say our experience has been sometimes a little bit eccentric in previous years for players that weren't that great. And so I do think we benefited throughout the year from it being simplified. The conservative offense has definitely got it. we got to improve there. But um, I'm hoping that as Blake is, you know, hopefully he'll be able to throw down the field a little bit more. He'll have a little more uh, maybe confidence to, you know, let him try different things out and maybe not be so Well, but I mean, as I said, like 23 air yards is huge. I mean, I don't think any team ever averaged that over a season. So he's throwing the ball down the field. The problem is he's doing right. it when everybody expects it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of this, the way that it could be changed is we've got a lot of running backs that can catch out of the backfield. And we've seen in the preseason, we've done a lot of screens. So I think we're going to see more of that, and that will be, 
you know, we're still they're right. Um, you know, we're still running the ball a ton, but I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. And then hopefully we'll see some stuff that's not, uh, you know, just the most conservative. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's another, you know, I don't want to bring up a comparison to Trent Richardson because nobody likes that. But <laughs> Trent Richardson put up a good oh, fantasy season his rookie year, but his yards per carry was not great. And I'm not saying Leonard Fournette is Trent Richardson because I think he's much more talented. But if you look at his numbers last year, uh, on 50% of his carries, he gained two yards or fewer, which was only three running backs in the league uh, were worse. On only 26% of his runs did he gain five yards or more, which is second worst in the league. Um, he averaged 3.88 yards per carry, a 43% success rate. And But again, I'm not really blaming Fournette for this. I'm blaming the play calling because uh, he had 50% of his runs with eight in the box. So the problem is because everybody knows mm-hmm. when they're running the ball. I mean, you know, again, defenses look, oh, there's only two receivers on the field. Well, this is an automatic run. So they stack the box and they're hurting Fournette's numbers. They're also probably shortening his career. And, you know, I think they I, – I agree with you. I think they need to let Bortles throw more. I think they should be doing the no huddle more because uh, Bortles was pretty good in the no huddle. And, again, I think they need to pass more in 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 sort of typical run formations. Yeah, I think uh, that is spot on. And he actually near the end of Maurice Jones' uh, Drew's career, we saw kind of the same thing. We didn't want to throw with Blaine Gabbert, and so we would – we went more conservative, and we always had eight in the box – and his numbers suffered until he had his ankle injury. And so I would be a little bit nervous about that with Leonard. Um, if anyone's out there as a fantasy player, though, I don't think there's any chance that Leonard Fournette is a bust, and there's no chance that he's not going to put up good numbers in fantasy. So yeah, well, the volume's going to be there for sure. You know, so. total be- yeah, yeah. I mean, the volume, but he also has just got incredible big play-making ability. I mean, I think that's why you could see pretty – uh, not exciting numbers on a large percentage of carries, but then when he rips off a big run, he's fast and he can get around the seconds. Um, you know, he could he can get around the defensive backs. All right, so we jumped right into some advanced stats talking about uh, the offense and, and you know ragging on you for how they collapse against the Patriots. Let's uh, let's take a step back and go through <laughs> sort of our more typical uh, you know segments on this podcast. So the first segment, or at least it was in the beginning uh, when we started this a few weeks ago, but we sort of got away from this is our coach confidence ranking. So notwithstanding everything we've just said, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your confidence in your head coach coming into the season? Marone, I'm, I'll give him an 8. I feel like that's it's about the most confident I've been in a coach of ours in, I don't know, I, I'd say 15 years. So maybe it is kind of just I'm judging against coaches we've had. But I feel pretty confident in Marone. It seems like the players like him. Yeah. And, yeah, it's also obviously hard when you've just had your best t- season in, in forever to uh, <laughs> to not have a lot of confidence in him. Right. I'm looking at um, when we made our coach rankings. Uh, we haven't done our coach rankings this year yet. But when we made our coach rankings last year uh, at midseason, which is the last time we did it, um, I had the I had Marone at 25. So And uh, Akiva had him all the way up at 12. So Akiva was convinced from what he saw. Um, you know, with the Jaguars starting nine and three or whatever, whatever the record was when we did this. But, um, you know, uh, I was not convinced yet. Um, although I'm looking at, you know, some of the guys that he, I had him behind John Fox. So that's probably incorrect. <laughs> and Vance oh, no. Joseph. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, good coaches or good players make good coaches a lot of the time. And so I do think we have a ton of talent on the field. And so there's got to be a little bit of it that you might be a little bit closer than Akita and I, but I think it might just be because there's a lot of talent around him 
And so there's a lot of players that are going to execute um, most of what he wants to do. All right. And what about what's your confidence in the front office, whether it's David Caldwell or Tom Coughlin or the whole group? Oh, 10. I'm all in. I'm all in on Dave Caldwell since he's been here at the beginning. I know there were a couple years we had average drafts, but we've had so many late round picks. I, I love Dave. Um, Tom Coughlin, obviously, he's coming back from the glory days. And uh, it's kind of old man football style, and I love it. So I'm, I'm giving them full time. So, yeah, so let's talk about you know one of the interesting things with how this team is built. So this team spends more money on defense than any team in the league and spends less money on offense than almost any team in the league. Uh, $123 million on the defense uh, coming into the season. $60 million on the defensive line alone, which for comparison, $60 million on the defensive line, $80 million for the entire offense. So your money is heavily invested in, you know, in Saxonville, which obviously worked last year. They went from like minus one sack ratio in 2016 to like plus 30 something. I forget. I saw the number earlier. Um, so there's a lot of money invested right. in that defense and especially the defensive line. Uh, you know, does it give you pause about sort of the lack of investment on the offense? Or you think this is sort of the strategy of, of how they've, uh, you know, found an inefficiency in the market and, and how they're building their team? I just feel like it's what's been offered to us. So we've had a lot of opportunities to draft good defensive linemen at the top of the draft. So, I mean, I'm thinking of Taven Bryan. I'm thinking of Dante Fowler, um, Ngakwe, his third rounder. So we've put a bunch of money through the draft. And then big free agents that have shown up for us. So it's – and it's worked out. I mean, we actually don't rush, but for um, – you know, we don't actually blitz a ton, but we get tons of sacks. And I think that is a product of we have a really strong defensive line. Um, I do think that Taven Bryant pick last year, uh, number 29, I think that that is we know we can't spend this much on the defensive line long term. And so that money's going to have to go to other positions. But, uh, you know, I think he's kind of be there when maybe we have to let uh, Darius or maybe Malik Jackson go. All right, uh, all right. so the next question I have for you is your quarterback. So Bortles obviously dramatically improved from last season. What's your confidence in, uh, in Blake Bortles? Where would you rank him uh, if you were sort of ranking the quarterbacks 1 to 32 off the top of your head? More or less, where do you think he fits? Um, as far as like, if you want to say quarterback as far as his passing ability, and I know this is going to sound like a cop-out, I do think he is a below average, Okay. Everything else, he is well above average. So as far as a leader of the team, if you watch interviews with him, you watch him with younger guys on the team, he is like an unbelievable leader, and he's still pretty young. And he is a great runner. Um, he takes like blame for all of his mistakes. So while I put him at probably a little below average, I'm going to go, I'll give him 12 out of 32. As far as who I would replace him with, with other people, Um I'd be hard. It'd be hard for me to pick ten quarterbacks ahead of Blake. So I, I really oh, wow. like him. So you have him in the top ten? <laughs> no, no. I think I'm putting him like right outside the top ten. Off the top of my head, I could easily come up with five or six. Um, probably if I sat down and looked at it, you know, he's probably about twelve for me. But I think people are going to laugh at that and go, "Oh my gosh, you've seen some of these passes for sure." Yeah, there's tons of uh, boneheaded interceptions. But what this team's trying to do run the ball a lot, QB runs, um, a little bit, some option, lots of quick little easy passes. He is, we're building it around him, but now also he does fill that role very well. 
Okay, so you're not going to love um, – I had him 24 when Akiva and I ranked our quarterbacks uh, just a couple weeks ago. So uh, let me ask, let me throw some sure. names at you, and you tell me uh, whether you'd rather have Bortles or the guy I'm mentioning because uh, you have him you know, ahead of a whole bunch of guys on my list. So um, yeah, right, Matthew absolutely. Stafford. No. No meaning. Sorry. And, and that's as – oh, as in I want wow. Blake okay. and I went to Georgia. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not like – I should like – I love Stafford – but I, I really do think Blake fits what I Okay, Dak want. Prescott. Wow, no. Philip Rivers. Bl- yeah, Philip okay, Rivers. Kirk for Cousins. Sure. <laughs> no. And we definitely. Wow. So, so I guess yeah, that's why I, uh, the Jaguars uh, re signed Bortles instead of jumping after Cousins this offseason. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I was all about it. I was like, Kirk Cousins could be, you know, what we need. I'm. I would have been really excited if we had tried to sign him, but the amount of money that's gone to Kirk Cousins over Blake, um, it just does not seem like the values there. I mean, I think he's making another. He's making almost twice as All much right. money. So I don't even need to mention so the rest of this. Cam Newton, Alex Smith, Sean Watson, Andrew Luck, uh, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, Jimmy Garoppolo, Case Keenum, Jared Goff, Sam Bradford. You want portals over all those guys? I don't know. You might be able to convince me if I sat down and looked at him, but I will admit I am definitely a Blake yeah. Homer. All right. right. I mean, you're, this may be a little boring for people who don't love the Jags, <laughs> but I'm too much of a, I'm definitely too much yeah, of a well, Homer. Look, I mean, I had him as slightly above average last season, um, which was a dramatic improvement over the previous two years, obviously. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't have him uh, knocking on the top 10 anytime soon. Um, all right. So let's, <laughs> all right. Uh, let me ask you, let's jump to the defense end. So as we said, they spent a huge amount of money on this defense. Actually, hold on. I have more questions about the offense. Um, well, I have a fantasy question. So we're in this 32, you know, we have 32 fans uh, in our in our fantasy league this year where we have a, a 32 fans, 32-person fantasy league. And uh, four or maybe even five different Jaguars wide receivers have been drafted because, you know, this is a league where, I mean, to, to give you an idea of how deep this league is, uh, the last few picks, I've never even heard of these guys, the last few picks in this draft have been um, – uh, Jeff Swaim, Detrez Newsom, Mike Gillisley, Equanimia St. Brown, Jalen Samuels. So we're digging deep. But especially once Marquise Lee went out, people are no. desperate for a Jaguars receiver. So who do you think is going to be the beneficiary of Marquise Lee's absence? Well, I think Keelan Cole was our is our best receiver even before Lee okay. went out. So um, I love Lee. That's really going to hurt. Uh, I probably had him as number two. I think probably the person who's going to benefit the most is uh, DJ Chark. The rookie, the so second rounder. Got him out of right? LSU. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So he he seems like he's got a lot of speed. He probably has a bit. He'll run, you know, it'd be kind of the same type receiver as Lee. A lot of, you know, him try to stretch the field a little bit. So I think he's going to be the biggest beneficiary. Um, you want me to rank how I'd have the Jags wide sure. receivers? <laughs> All right, so I'd probably go Cole, Moncrief, D.D. Uh, Westbrook, and then Chark. And for your super deep league, I think Rashad Green is going to make the team, and we're probably gonna. He's probably he's probably the one who actually benefits the most because he will have a job at the end of uh, you know, at the end of preseason. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, <laughs> if you're taking the Jaguars' fifth receiver in fantasy, you might be in trouble. Uh, you know, look, this is a team, obviously, they had a ton of injuries at receiver last year. Um, Marquise Lee getting injured this year already sort of indicates the same thing is happening again. 
Dante Moncrief has, does not have a great history of staying healthy. Uh, they gave him, I think, $9 million right. Right, uh, to, to move over from Indianapolis. But uh, overall, other than receiver, this was the sixth healthiest team in the league last year. And they had the healthiest defense. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me ask you about the offensive line. So I pointed out how you know Leonard Fournette's number is not great. Um, I blamed a lot of that on the play calling. Pro Football Focus has this as the 15th offensive line, so just about average. Uh, they have a great left guard and center in Norwell and Linder. Uh, they have an awful left tackle in Cam Robinson. What's your take on the offensive line? Yeah, I think uh, offensive line is going to be – I think that one's also knocking on the top 10. I think we are getting a little ahead of ourselves, and we think we're get, they're going to be much better than that. Um, I'm really excited, though, about Norwell and uh, Linder. Um, yeah, so I'm feeling pretty good about the offensive line. We're spending a lot of money there as well. Okay. And um, all right, so let's get to the defense now. So as I said, this was a defense that was extraordinarily healthy last year. And we saw the benefit. You know, they were one of the best Mm -hmm. defenses in the league. I guess the initial question is, you know, talk to me about the depth on this defense. Who steps up when guys get injured? Because, you know, realistically, and and the Vikings, by the way, benefited, uh, you know, as a Vikings fan, they benefited from this also. They were very healthy on defense last year. But you can't rely on that. So, you know, if the Jaguars start suffering some injuries on their defense, what happens to them this year? I think this has got it. You know, I think we've got good depth, especially defensive line. Uh, we're rotating guys constantly, so I think there's really good depth there. There's actually there's okay depth in the defensive backs. Linebacker is I, where I think, you know, if we were to lose, um, I don't know, Smith, then, you know, I think if we ended up losing a couple of linebackers, maybe Telvin Smith and Miles Jack go down, then we're going to be hurting for sure. So linebackers is probably the weak point for us as far as uh, depth. Okay. And then what about in the secondary? Um, so we got this guy, Tyler Patman, this year. He's gotten a lot of playing time with Ramsey being out one game and then with Boye being out a game. And so we've seen a lot of him. He's a big hitter. I loved watching him. And he's kind of – he looks like he wants that nickel spot. Uh, so we – we got a, I think it's DJ Hayden. Um, we signed him in the offseason. And I really feel like Patman, he might go and try to take that nickel job uh, pretty quickly in the year. All right, let me ask you a question. Uh, this is uh, something we've been doing with some of the fans, and this is interesting for a team with, with a lot of sort of big names, especially on the defensive side. Who are the five best players on the Jaguars this year? Um, all right. Five. I'm going to go Ramsey has got to be number one. I think I've got to put Telvin Smith in there. I'm Well, I've got to go Boye as well. Um, Ngakwe. And I guess I'll have to go Campbell. Um, but then I still I feel pretty bad for leaving uh, Bortles. Malik Top Jackson 10 quarterback also. <laughs> Well, I, I I actually didn't say he's top ten. I said just for outside. Me, okay. I think he's right yep. outside there. Um, but yeah, I think our top six players are all on the yep. defense. I think our seventh best is going to be Fournette, and he's going to be over there on the offensive. What side. was the reaction in Jacksonville to the Jalen Ramsey interview in GQ, where he trashed every quarterback by name? <laughs> we, I mean, I think that people love to hate. Oh no, I loved I think it. It's a good I thought thing it was amazing. Sport. Yeah, I it's it's Jacksonville. We we hate all of these quarterbacks. It's finally coming yeah. back. I mean, 
for years, we're just the joke. We're the joke or we have the Super Bowl. We're the joke when we have a good player. We're a joke. And I was in law school and I had kids saying, I can't wait till you move to L.A. We're dumping the team and we're dumping everything there. You know what? It's Finally, it's come home to roost a little bit. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, well, well you know, as that woman said, you guys have stolen say the show. I wouldn't. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a homeless woman at Yeah, has anyone caught up with her, by the way, after how last season went? Because she was right, finally. Um, I I haven't seen anything since uh, last season. There was like a follow-up interview where we did find out um, that she was yeah. homeless. So, you know, it's, that's Jacksonville for you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to Jacksonville, so I'm not sure what you mean by that, but okay. What um? All right, let me I, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I'm also a huge Jacksonville homer. I mean, this is my favorite place, and I love being here. But uh, you just got all types in Jacksonville. It's a huge city, so you know you've just got really country parts, and you've got the beaches, you got downtown, so everything's different, and it's kind of a you know you just got different people. So the chances that they interviewed a Jags fan and it turned out to be a woman, she's like, oh, I'm homeless, and you know, I'm saying all this hilarious stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's that's us. Yeah. I tried desperately, by the way, to get her on this podcast two years ago. But this is before sort of the stories came about who she was. And I, I just – I looked her up. I found her name. I couldn't find her phone number anywhere. So, um, all right. Let me uh, – who is the best – and you mentioned a couple of their rookies already. You know, you mentioned uh, Chark, their second-round pick, the receiver out of LSU. Who do you think is going to be the best non-first-round pick um, uh, rookie on the team this year? All right, you want to. Who's going to be their best rookie I mean, outside the, the first? The round? answer, yeah, it's going to be DJ okay. Chark for sure. Number, I mean, round two. But the biggest, like the one that will surprise people, is going to be, I think, our seventh round pick, Leon Jacobs, linebacker um, from Wisconsin. He's going to start game one. So we are going to go into the season with a seventh round pick starting at um, as the Sam linebacker. And the dude, he is just this huge guy. And I just think that, you know, he only played, I think he only started one year at Wisconsin. And he just looks awesome in preseason. And he's going to be playing in a stacked defense. So I think he's going to really surprise a lot of people. He's going to get a lot of people be like, dang, where, how did this guy fall? Yeah, this team has. So yeah, that's my, that's my this hot This team take. has a lot of those, you know, like Bill Barnwell always likes to talk on ESPN, likes to talk about sort of. Uh, Stats that tend to revert to the uh, you know, revert to the mean and are sort of reasons why teams will be better or worse than the year before, and this team has a lot of those in both directions. Mm-hmm. Like as I said, you know their 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 uh, receivers were all injured, but on the other hand, they were healthy. Other than that, their um their fumble recovery rate uh, was fifty eight percent last year, which was seventh best in the league, and that's a number that you know basically teams have zero control over whether or not they recover a fumble. It tends to be fifty percent on average. Um, which was a mass. I think the year before they had they had a 19 percent improvement over the year before, which was the biggest in the league. So they had had very bad luck and fumbles in 2016. They had really good luck last year. Um, another one though, they had the easiest schedule in the league last year. But on the other hand, this year they have the fourth easiest schedule. So you haven't been punished too much um, from a schedule perspective just because um, of your good season. Fortunately, uh, your division is still not that great. Although you know Houston will probably be better, and I guess Indy will be better if Andrew Luck is healthy. But you still have a relatively easy schedule. Uh, let's take a look at that schedule and uh, tell me what you think, all right? Okay, yeah, so uh, week one, you go into New York to see uh, Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. And also Eli Manning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the beginning of the year, I've got a bunch of close games. And you'll, 
I'll tell you, I think we're going to beat New York, but I think it's going to be closer than it should be. Um, we had a lot of trouble last year with Tennessee because of their kind of power run game was our weakness on defense. And so if New York says, hey, we're not going to let Eli throw a lot, we're just going to let Barkley take it 30, year, you know, 30 touches a game, um, that'll be closer than it should be, but it's going to be a Jags win. So one interesting thing about this team last year, you know, another huge difference between uh, the previous season, uh, between 2016 and 2017, was their turnover ratio went from minus 16 to plus 10. So starting a season against Eli is always a good way to uh, boost your turnover margin, obviously, <laughs> um, if Bortles can keep his own interceptions on. Oh, again, part of that had to do with the fumbles, which I said is a little bit of luck. But um, all right, so you start 1-0, a big win, and then you come home for your home opener. Revenge against the Patriots? What happens? Man, I, I want it so bad. I think it's going to happen. We're oh, going to wow. beat New England. And it is going to be – I think we're going to have to have learned our lesson, though. If we do want to try to go conservative again, it's, it's just going to be the same game. Bill Belichick does this to everybody. He did it to the Falcons. He did it to us. If you take a lead and you decide, oh, let's you know slow this game down, it's not going to work. But if we keep our you know foot on the gas, I do think we can beat New England, and I think we will. So that's another close game that I say I'm putting it in the wing column. Okay, so they beat the Giants. They come with they beat the Patriots. You stay home to face uh, the Titans. Traditionally a game that we see on Thursday night, although we will see them on Thursday night in December. Jacksonville and Tennessee. Even though it's two playoff teams. Yeah, year. so. Two former playoff teams. We're, we're going to be like riding on cloud nine. We're going to be like, man, we just beat New York. We just went to New York and won. We just beat New England. And Tennessee's going to come here and oh, beat wow. us. Okay. So that's a cl- third close game, and we're going to lose it. Um, almost every year we split with Tennessee, except last year and 1999, where we lost to them three times. And a- and went 14 and 0 against the rest of the NFL, as I recall. Yeah, the only team in NFL yep. history to have three losses and them all be yep. by the same 14 team. 14-0 against the league and 0-3 uh, against the- Tennessee. All right, okay, so you're 2-1. Uh, you're still at home. You face the Jets. Can you uh, pull off the New York sweep in September? Yeah, um, we're going to beat right, the Jets. 3-1. And, one, and right. uh, now things get a little bit tougher uh, in, in October than they were in September. You start at Kansas City. Yeah, that's my first guaranteed loss. I mean, I put guarantee. I'm saying, like, I would, I'd want at least four to one odds if I was oh, betting wow. on the Jacks. I just don't see us going into Arrowhead and winning. Um, yeah, so that's I, that's the first one I put in the loss. Okay, so for three sure. and two, and then a late game uh, at Dallas. So a lot of eyes around the country watching this team for the the second time in the season. Yeah, I just don't believe in Dallas's offense besides um, a good run game. So I I say that Dallas isn't going to score more than twelve points. And Blake is going to be able to do enough to win. So we're going to beat okay, Dallas. So four and two, you come home, uh, a very tough uh, homestand. You play the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson, hopefully yeah. healthy at this point. Yeah, I think, I mean, I love Deshaun Watson. And I was, you know, open to the idea of us drafting him when he was, uh, you know, last year. I think he's great. Um, I still see us winning that game, especially since it's at home. So I put that down as a win for us. I think Houston is getting a little bit overhyped uh, based on a small sample size of uh, what Watson was able to do. But, you know, so I don't see uh, I don't see us losing. Okay, that game. so five and two, and then you have your annual home game in London. I said it was a home stand, although technically it's across the ocean, but it is a home game against yeah. the Eagles. 
Yeah, I that's a, I put that one down as our second for sure loss. Uh, I don't see us beating the Eagles. Uh, they look great. And if you've got a good run game, that's the way to beat the Jags. Uh, so I, I see the Eagles. Uh, okay, so us. five and three going into the bye, and that's pretty good because I'm looking at the second half of the schedule, and it's really easy. I mean, you, you, you face Pittsburgh on a Sunday night, and then you end the season at Houston. But other than that, not a lot of threats here. But uh, you start after the bye, your first game against Andrew Luck if he's healthy in a couple of years. Yeah, I I have us beating Indy both times. I mean, they've. I just don't see the being able to handle the Jags' uh, defensive line. Uh, their offensive line has not been good for quite a while. Andrew Luck is going to have to be careful uh, if he doesn't want to get re-injured, especially with, I mean, he hasn't played, he's just been missed, missed so much time in the last two years. So I have us just, you know, sacking Luck five times and then they're, he's just not going to, um, he's not going to be able to throw it down. Yeah, so field. Andrew Luck in his career, six and two against Jacksonville with uh, 14 touchdowns and only five picks. But uh, at the end of the season, you think it'll be six and four. And uh, in this instance, uh, you yeah. guys improved to six and three. Just getting confused here. All right, and then as I said, Sunday night at home against Pittsburgh, yet another um, you know uh, revenge game, possibly uh, this time for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean we beat Pittsburgh yep. twice in Pittsburgh in uh, at Heinz Field. So I'm still putting I'm putting this is another one of the close games, but a close game that we're going to win. And so yeah, this is going to be another win. I think we've got a strong stretch here. Do you want me to? You know, I mean, I mean, I see. Then we're going to Buffalo, yep. and Buffalo, I think, is going to have one of the. I think they overplayed their hand last year, and I think they yep. got worse in the off season. So I think they're going to be pretty weak. So the prospect of having four games with Indy, Buffalo, Indy, and a Pittsburgh at home, I I see that as being three and one, at the worst. I really feel like we're going to win three of those games. Well, but you've predicted four wins so far, right? You're sweeping Indy. Yeah, yeah, I'm going four. I'm going. I'm going all, all four. Right. So nine for and sure, three, but I'm just. Then you go to Tennessee, who beat you at home earlier in the year. As I said, it's the annual Jacksonville Tennessee game on a Thursday night. Yeah, we're supposed we're supposed to split. So this is you know we're going to have lost three or four against Tennessee in a row, and I'm going to say we're finally going to pull it out. We're going to okay. Beat so them. that's a five game winning uh, streak. Another now. ten close and game. three. You come home for, to face Washington. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep sounding like a homer, but we're going to beat Washington, then we're going to beat Miami down in uh, South Florida. Right. So I did say the second half was easier. I didn't know you were going to pull off a seven-game win streak. So you're 12-3, and three, you go at Houston. I have to assume at this point you've clinched the division no matter how good Houston is or, or uh, Tennessee or Indy. So 12-3, uh, and three, I don't even know if you have to rest guys or maybe you're playing for fighting for a bye with, with New England or Pittsburgh or something. Um, what happens in Week 17? Well, we did, we did this last year where we pretty much had it locked up and then we – went and played these games that may not even have been we didn't even need to win we still played everybody which is surprising so we're gonna play everyone no matter what and we're going to lose to houston okay, so 12 and 4 though for uh, jackson my prediction so uh we're i'm in a wins pool where jackson wasn't taken until 11th so you think that was a, a big swing and a miss by the teams picking uh like four five six seven eight nine ten right you yeah i that's that's shocking to me i am surprised the People are not as high on Jags as I am, though. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe that's a little bit of where yeah. I live. <laughs> but yeah, at the at the low end, I've got us at nine wins. I think that if we don't win nine games, I'm going to be shocked. I'm going to be really shocked. I'm going to so I'm putting nine at the low end, 
and I'm putting 13 at the high. And what my guess is going to be 11. Okay. So paint me a scenario, though, for a second where they miss the playoffs. Give me, tell me what has to happen for this team to go 8-8 eight eight or 7-9 and nine or worse and not even make the playoffs. Andrew Luck is back, and he looks really good, and we're all surprised. And so Indy's able to at least win one of those games. Uh, Tennessee beats us twice. Houston beats us at least once. Uh, Houston ends up turning out to be as good as everyone thinks. And you know, maybe Houston wins the division, and Tennessee beat up on us enough that our in-division record uh, couldn't get us there. Yeah, it is an interesting division, and it's kind of like the AFC West, I think, in that there's really there's none of the four teams are terrible. I mean, you could see a, a scenario where, where one of them is terrible, but you can also see a scenario where any team in the division, you know, finishes 500 or better. So there's nobody, you know, there's nobody to beat up on like like a Buffalo or or, or the Jets or somebody like that, like some of the other divisions or the Browns or you know, Bengals, like in the AFC East and in the North. Um, all right, so Albin, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, everybody, uh, go check out Buzzsprout, the uh, podcasting company where Albin works. Uh, good luck to your Jaguars this year. You know, I remember having conversations with people in January where I was talking about, you know, would I rather face the Jaguars in the Super Bowl or the, or the uh, Patriots? And, uh, uh, obviously, that, that did not come to pass for me um, or for you. I don't know whether you were rooting for the Eagles or the Vikings. You know, although I guess by the time our game started, your game was over, so it didn't matter anymore. But uh, good luck to the Jaguars this year, and if they continue to uh, play as you expect them to, uh, we might have you back in January to talk about the playoffs. Yeah, thanks, Alex. I, uh, I appreciate it, and uh, you know, love the podcast, and keep up, keep it up, and keep doing what you're doing. All right, thanks very much. Bye bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.